Welcome to the Europe is Coming podcast, taking you inside the minds of Europe's best CrossFit athletes and the people behind them. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. My name's Vicky McLeod. This time around I get to talk with Patrick Clark from the Morning Chalk Up. You might also know him as Athletes Eye Photography or even as PCN the Pups from Instagram. Patrick and I talk about his career in sports journalism, how he got started in CrossFit and what a crazy experience Waterpalooza was. So let's get to it. Welcome Patrick to the Europe is Coming podcast. I am pretty lucky to have you on because I know you're a busy guy at the moment. You are PC and the Pups, you are Athletes Eye Photography, and you are the Senior Staff Writer at Morning Chalk Up. So I am in pretty, it's a pretty big deal that you have agreed to talk to us. <laughs> I, uh, no, it's a pretty big deal that I get to be on your show. Oh, mate, thank you. Um, you're in Miami at the moment. Correct, correct. Um, beautiful Miami. These are not props. These are actually real palm trees. Oh, that is so cool that you've actually, I'm thinking is that a green screen, but it's actually the real thing, isn't it? It's the real thing, yeah. Uh, and day one of Waterpalooza is done and you're about to go into day two. Yeah, it should be kicking off. Uh, day two is actually all the divisions. So every everything from beginners to all the way to elite. So today is actually the opening day for the actual Waterpalooza because Waterpalooza is a fitness festival. It's a community event. Yesterday was all about the elites, uh, but today is actually the crux of what Waterpalooza is about in the community. So you're going to have almost just just under three thousand athletes all going at the same time. Wow! Uh, you know, down I mean, right next door to us, right here at this beautiful Bayfront Park. Is it how many years have you been going to Waterpalooza? How many years have you been involved? This is actually my second year. Um, my first year was 2019, but I was involved as a judge. Um, I actually was, that was during sanctional season. Waterpalooza was sanctional. So um, I, my CrossFit career actually started as a judge. So uh, I came down here, came down here. I heard about 2019, uh, about Waterpalooza. I uh, heard how much fun it was and came down. And I was one of the uh, uh, judges they assigned to the league division because at the time whoever won the league division got a uh, earned a game for it so they wanted you know judges who had experience and were not afraid of the limelight and i was actually chosen as one of those judges so it was a great honor and i had so much fun and made a lot of friendships back then but um that was a different part of my career in terms of crossfit and i wanted to come down this year as uh, as a member of the media and it's been it's been great it's been great so far. Day one. Is it? I mean, it's a different ball game entirely. Being uh, on the floor as a judge and on the floor as a photographer, because you, as a judge, you're kind <laughs> of allowed to get in the way, aren't you? You're, yeah. You're there to uh, the, the athletes um, have to respect you. The other way around, it's not. <laughs> if you're taking that picture, it's not so good, cool, don't they? <laughs> I like. I like to think that they respect me a little bit. Well, they especially respect me when I, when they know I'm going to write something about them or if, uh, or if they want some picture or content on them. So, but no, it's uh, you know it's it's definitely different. Um, less stress, less pressure. Um, uh, it's it's a totally different ballgame this time around, uh, especially now because it's been a couple of years since they've had Waterpalooza. I mean, obviously 2020 kind of took the uh, yeah. No, 2021, so last year, they didn't have a lot of places to do the global pandemic. So, and, um, 
yeah, it's it's a different vibe this time. Just it's been hard for me to actually do work after day one because I've ran into so many people that I haven't seen in person. Even at, I didn't. Some of these people I haven't seen at the game, especially a lot of the brands and relationships I've built up through, uh, you know, brands within CrossFit that are here in Miami because it's a huge vendor village, and uh, yeah, so it's been really neat. So uh, we were joking about it uh, yesterday. Me and we had some of the writers here for the Morning Chaka. Our hotel is literally right next to the venue, and that's where we have to go to do our work because it has Wi-Fi. There's a media room there. But um, it should only take a five-minute walk. It takes about an hour because as you're walking from you know, just 100 feet, you're running into so many people that want to stop and you know, exchange hugs, pleasantries, and uh, just ask each other what's going on. And it, it, it's, it's been great so far. I can't wait till until we start here in a couple hours. I, 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 can't, I can't imagine how nice that must be after such a long time of being apart from all of these people. It's Because it's, that's the essence of CrossFit, isn't it? It's the community and the relationships exactly. that we build. Yeah, and that's, that's what makes this event such a, so great, you know, because of that community. I mean, you have CrossFit, you have the brands, but it's ultimately the community because, you know, you, you've seen the pictures, you see the video, you know, under the lights, the flagler, it's it, just yesterday, it, it was packed. Um, and uh, yesterday, because of the community, uh, they they allowed, it was free admission for anybody. So even if you weren't, I mean, I, I met quite a few people just walking by this park and they decided to come in because they'd never seen CrossFit. And it was free. And they were just like, this is great. How did you get into CrossFit? Um, I actually started in 2014. Um, I'm, I'm a part of the U.S. military. I'm actually in the reserves and uh, I was deployed to Kuwait. And while I was in Kuwait, uh, there was a CrossFit gym inside the military base we were at. And my roommate at the time, he wanted to do, um, it was, it's called Sapper School. It's a, it's basically special forces for the combat engineers that we have. And he was an engineering, what he's really fit guy. He's like, I want to go to Sapper School. He's like, let's do this CrossFit thing. You can get me prepared. And me, I had no desire to join the special forces or anything like that. But I'm one of those guys like, you got me. Let's do it. Is it hard? Let's do it. Okay. So, so I did it. Uh, went to my first class. We did Cindy. Yeah. We did <laughs> Cindy. Yeah. That's the first class. And uh, it's taught by people in the military. They're, they're the actual, um, they have their full time job just, and then when they got off work, they would actually be the coaches. And I didn't realize at the time, um, in the military, we have all these ranks and structures that normally you, you, know, you say, you know, for me, Captain Clark or Sergeant Smith or General General Thompson or something like that. But in that community, we dropped those titles and we would call each other by the first name. And actually, the guy, the general that was running the post was one of the coaches. So here's a general and he's called, he's called me Patrick. And I'm like, yes, sir. And he's like, no, no, no. It's, it's Jim. I don't think it was Jim, but I believe it was Jim. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just really weird. And we, and we just, we got gathered around and we didn't, we talked about fitness. We talked about um, things outside of work, you know, and, and we didn't have to wear the uniform. We're, you know, wear, wear whatever we want. And it was just a really relaxed and ultimately I fell in love with it, the community. I think it must have been a great break from being on duty in Kuwait as well. Surely that must have been incredibly pressured to be there. Yeah, because at the time ISIS was ramping up, they they just taken over like some land in Iraq. They've taken that back. 
know, there's a lot of stuff going on. So there's a lot of stress going on. Even though we were directly in the front line, my job, my job specifically was to set up um, uh, partnerships with other um, Middle Eastern countries and their military to stop stuff like that. So my days, you know, my days were you know, just like everyone else that was deployed. It was stressful. So just to kind of get away from that, it, it was it was just a welcome change and to have some normalcy. You know, most of it, especially being a reservist, um, I don't, I'm not, I don't wear the uniform full time. I wear it one week in a month, two weeks out of the summer. So to wear it every day for, I was there for 18 months. It, it, you know, it kind of wears on you, but the CrossFit kind of gave you that release from it. And, um, and meet, and meet people with common interests. I think um, a lot of people use CrossFit to escape from whatever's going on in their life. I certainly do. It's great. Like when I walk into the gym uh, down the road from me here, it's like my happy place. I go in there and I know <laughs> everybody. Everybody's got a smile on their face. Everybody's yeah. happy to see me. And um, it's, like a, it's like a safe place that you can go when outside the world's going crazy. So I yeah. totally understand the appeal. Yeah, exactly that. And then how I got introduced to the games is like, I didn't know there was actually CrossFit games. And one of our coaches, she was actually a civilian that was contracted and she was actually a head coach and she was training and she's like really hard. I'm like, what are you training for? And at the time when they had regionals, she was in the, I think it was one of the Asia regionals in South Korea and she qualified for that. And I was like, okay. So it was really interesting. And then she left to go to travel to North Korea to, uh, to compete. So we all gathered around these screens that we had in the gym that normally had the workout and we switched over to YouTube and we we're watching her live. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is, this is so cool. I'm like, there's, there's Courtney, you know, she's out there. I'm like, who are these other people? Because back then regionals, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't based on who, where you were a citizen at, like semifinals are now. It was based on what region you could go to. Um, and because at the time there wasn't a middle, yeah, they grouped the Middle East into Asia. That's why she was in Korea. And when she came back, we all had all these questions because at the time she was like the first games quality athlete we knew. And we sat around, we watched the games and we all kind of made a promise to each other. Like we should all meet up at the games, volunteer as judges or part of the uh, volunteer staff. Um, unfortunately, I'm, I was the only one that actually fulfilled that promise, <laughs> but uh, it was still great. Uh, I, in 2017, I was like, you know what? Let's. I had no judging experience, but uh, applied to be a judge, and uh, I got picked up for the Central Regional at the time in 2017. So I showed up, didn't know anything. <laughs> but I'm, fortunately, fortunately, the good thing about my military back background is it's black and white. There's no gray. Yeah. So if that's how I thought of it, I'm like either you do the standard or you don't do the standard. So if you don't do the standard, you're getting a no rep. If you do the standard, you're all good with me. And uh, I had some great teachers because Chuck Carswell, uh, the great Chuck Carswell of seminar staff, uh, one of the lead judges at the games, he was our head judge there. And I learned so much from him in just three days. And he came and talked to me. He's like, ask, ask me, were you interested in being a judge at the games? I'm like, yeah. Wow. And that year after, yeah, I got picked up to judge the games. And it's so funny looking back at it now because... 2017, I'm at the games. I was judging the age groups. So the age groups I was responsible for judging were 14 to 15 division, year old division, and then the, the, the master's division. So I look back at it now and there's pictures of me judging Mal O'Brien. Yes. 14 years old. Um, you know, 
uh, Kano Stefano, who actually beat Haley Adams that year in 2017 in this, uh, in the 16 to 17 year division. She's competing here at Wadapalooza. And, uh, I just seen her on the floor yesterday. I got a little bit of flashback. I'm like, I remember she was like a 16 year old kid. And of course, Haley, I, I judged Haley before and she's here competing with that mayhem team with Taylor Woods and Andrew Nistler. It's just, it's just kind of weird how that kind of circles back. And, and, uh, yeah, that's how I actually got my start into CrossFit in terms of the games part. And it just kind of evolved. Um, 2019 games, obviously, I, you mentioned I'm a photographer. Uh, I started taking pictures at CrossFit events. And uh, one of the pictures I took at Rogue was used by the Morning Chaka, but they didn't credit me. No so tea. I, no tea. I, I know. I'm like, what? So I was really happy. There's my picture. There's a picture of Chandler Smith from a Rogue Invitational. And I, like, I messaged him, like, Hey, man, that's my picture. I mean, like, I'm a big fan. I, I was wondering if you could credit me because being a photographer, you want to get recognized for your work. And she's like, no problem. And she asked me, um, what I was doing for the 2019 games. And I told, I told them, um, I'm going to be up there judging. Um, I have a lot of free time because at the time they staggered the, the masters and age group division. Uh, it wasn't running the same time as the elites and. She asked me if I had time to take some pictures for them. And I'm like, sure. So the morning chalk up asked me, I was, I was judging. And then when I wasn't judging, I was shooting pictures for the morning chalk. You rock and star. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was quite, it was quite the, uh, thing. And, uh, a couple months later, they, uh, they, they had a job posting for editor in chief for the morning chalk up. I applied for it, didn't get it. However, um, Justin LaFranco, who I'd met at the games, who runs the Morning Chalk Up, CEO, founder, he just thought I was a photographer and he didn't realize I had such an extensive journalism background and he wanted to bring me on as a writer and I couldn't say no, which I prefer a lot better than being an editor. Um, yeah, less, but, more fun, less, less responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's funny because the, uh, the three finalists were myself, Emily Beers, who's one of our senior staff writers as well. And a guy named Joe, uh, Jennifer Palawa. And he, Joe actually got the job. So me and Emily always give Joe crap. Like, we're so happy you took that job. So you worked as a journalist before you were in the military? Yeah. So my background is I played uh, American football at the university level, uh, a pretty high level. Um, but I wasn't very good. I, I, I say play. I wore the, I wore the uniform. <laughs> but, um, I was always interested in sports growing up. I was a big fan of reading Sports Illustrated, uh, reading the articles. I, you know, as an American child, I I collected baseball cards and football cards, you know, and and I was always interested in the stats and the bios. So when I got to college and my playing career was kind of winding down, I was like, I realized that there were support staff that supported the event, and. I did. I wasn't ready to be a teacher or any of these other jobs. I wasn't ready for the real world, and I realized there's all the support staff at a sporting event. So I went and asked. I'm like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And the guy's like, "Well, I'm a statistician." And then I realized there was marketing. And there's so many other different branches that you put on an event. So I, I, as a student and as a grad student, I started volunteering and working um, behind the scenes. I did statistics. I I did a lot of writing and. Um, became part of a become sports information directors. Each university here has like a sports information, and basically they it's like the PR department of uh, athletic department. So we cover all the sports like a web, you know, just like any other league. So it's your favorite 
you know, Manchester United or any other soccer league, whether it be Real Madrid, they have their own team website. On a team website, they distribute information from that. And every American university has that. And that's what I got my start in. So I started writing and covering sports then and taking photos and got burnt out on it after doing it for 11 years and took a break, took a break. And uh, in the morning talk, I'm kind of like, Brought, it, brought that back. Yeah. yeah. You found the fire. Yeah. And I also worked at ESPN at the beginning of my career as a, as a researcher uh, for American football and women's basketball. So I actually got to work at ESPN headquarters in Connecticut. And that was a big highlight. I really actually taught me a lot. I was working like 60 hour weeks, uh, but it was so much fun uh, just being a part of the broadcast and finding storylines within storylines and it was really cool. So, yeah, that was my journalism background. So I'm kind of unique in this space because you have a lot of journalists that are kind of self-made. Uh, there, there are CrossFitters that have turned into journalists. Mm-hmm. I'm an actual sports journalist that found CrossFit, and you don't find that much. You don't find that much in the space. Um, uh, you don't find that at all, actually. What? How would you compare with your knowledge of um, professional football? How would you compare? Um, that sport, which is obviously got a lot more um, years and much more experience and much more professional, to CrossFit, and how can you do you see how it will how CrossFit can improve itself in order to be on a par popularity wise with football? Um, I don't think I don't think we'll ever get to the CrossFit will ever get to the spot that American football is. I mean, American football is a billion dollar industry. Um, they have billion dollar TV contracts. And I think that's a major difference right there is the TV contract. You know, here in America, you just like in in European soccer or European football, um, you know, every you know, in America, every Sunday, you know you're dedicated to watching football. Um, they had their own day. Um, and then you have college football, which is every Saturday here in the US, and then you have high school football, which is every Friday. So if you want to watch football, it's always there. I don't think there's a there's there's not that calendar or that that normalcy um, or that that built up audience. American football has been around for hundreds of years or seventy over seventy five years. Um, it has the potential. I, I'd see I I liken CrossFit in terms of potential being like golf um, or or tennis. Um, still has a huge following, but because it's based off culminating events like the games or or even I kind of compare it to the Olympics, but having happening every year instead of every four years. Um, but I, I would love to see it that way, uh, get to that one of those points. And they actually have the, they, they do have the infrastructure to do it, um, to be like a professional league that's similar to tennis or golf, uh, which is worldwide. It's followed by people worldwide. And I think that's what the reach, the unique reach of CrossFit is. It's a worldwide sport. It has that potential, um, and I think Eric Rosa is trying to put those pieces in place so that way it becomes something like that. But it, you know, we're only we're less than twenty years as a sport, and uh, all these other sports have been around for a while. But I think the major thing is reach, and to do that you need to have a television contract, and you also need to professionalize the athletes more. Uh, right now, you only have the top one percent of the athletes that compete in CrossFit are, are true professionals. And, and treated us. Uh, Meaning that right they're getting now. paid. 
correct. Mm. Getting paid and actually just not getting paid. There's a difference between getting, getting paid and having a career. Um, you know, the fifth place winner here, I think, I believe, gets fifteen hundred dollars with American US dollars. You're getting paid, but you can't really live off of fifteen hundred dollars no. US. <laughs> so um, that's why the athletes are so dependent on their sponsorships right now. But it shouldn't be the a major sport. Uh, all the professionals don't have sponsors. They make a living off of the actual sport. So, But the sport itself is paid for by sponsors. Correct. Correct. So the sponsors have got to be in there somewhere. Yeah, but we're very unique in terms of CrossFit. A lot of sponsors are CrossFit sponsors. But then now you're seeing a lot of these uh, uh, endemic brands coming in, like Tier, Tier Athletics, which is everyone knows Tier as like a swimsuit uh you know, they, they make swimsuits, swimming suits, but now they're, they're branching into CrossFit. They have a whole wing um, devoted to CrossFit and bring CrossFit athletes in. Walk around the vendor village, there's a lot of new brands popping up. And some of them are, they don't have a CrossFit background. They're just trying to, they're trying to get into the CrossFit market. And so it's pretty unique. What kind of brands have you noticed this weekend? No, I'm sorry. What, what was the question? What kind of brands have you seen that are new to the space? Well, there's a, a there's a new shoe company popping up. It's called RAD Rad. Um, it's actually ran by a former games athlete, uh, and um, uh, he was on the games on uh, J- Team G- JST in 2017. And uh, his name's Ben. Um, but they they're debuting their shoe yesterday was the debut of their shoe. So you have a totally brand new shoe company. And it's it's not just it, it has CrossFit ties, but it's also trying to make it's a cross between like a running and CrossFit shoe shoe and the company really prides itself on like getting out and doing like outdoor sports. Uh, I think they have some skate skateboard uh, background to it. Uh, but that's one brand that kind of really stuck out walking by. I mean, a new sh- a new shoe company uh, that just popped up and that that stuck out. Tier obviously is one that. Uh, stuck and it stuck out to me. Um, God, strong, strong coffee. It's a new coffee company that came out. Um, yeah, because uh, for example, last summer the, at the games, part of the one of the main sponsors was Monster, and that's um, yeah. Right, <laughs> given your your thoughts about how, in order to professionalize the sport more, we, we need to have more money put into it. I can see maybe the reasoning why Monster would be a sponsor because obviously they're going to have the cash to do it. But it did, the, the actual... Do you, what do you think about that kind of business being a sponsor for a sport like CrossFit? I mean, if you think about in Formula One days, for example, it used to have Marlborough sponsoring exactly. Formula One cars, which is, you know... I can see the exposure, but the actual the actual connections don't always sit well, do they? Um, yeah, I totally see that, and that that's a big uh, topic of discussion, even here, um, especially nowadays with uh, with Eric Rosa kind of taking the business model of CrossFit to more of a corporate business, um, you know, model. Um, but I think as a community, we need to learn how to separate the sport and the community. Just because Monster's sponsoring a CrossFit event doesn't mean it's sponsoring your box, you know, for example. Um, 
I mean, you brought up a good example of, of Marlboro, like, you know, uh, sponsoring Formula One. Well, you have beer companies that sponsor sporting events all the time, um, including Formula One. I mean, driving in alcohol. You know, those are, you know, Actually, yours is a better example than mine. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's a perfect example. I mean, you don't want to mix the two, no. but at the same time, you know, it's it's what people do. I mean, people at Formula One recognize that you know, beer companies and alcohol companies are a big part of 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 the of their community in terms of like people like that, like the you know, settle down and have a pint after a long day. Yeah, and watch and watch Formula One. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, that's that's how it is in American football. American football, you know, you see beer companies all the time, Bud Light, Coors Light. Even here at Wadapalooza, they have a, a beer company called Yingling, which is one of the oldest brewery. It is the oldest brewery in the United States, but it's it's not it's known but it's like known regionally. But they're one of the title sponsors here. So you actually have a beer company that is non CrossFit sponsoring a CrossFit event. And it's actually a huge deal because that means you know these beer companies bring in beer, bring in money. Monster, which is a, a, a huge money, and yes, it does have their Coca Cola does have a stake in the company, but it doesn't run the company. And Monster Energy Drinks is how's that any different than Fit Aid or some of these other brands that are out there? Um, and they're getting in that market. You know, everyone was that's a funny thing about the games. Everyone saw these Monster cans and and uh, athletes drinking from it. It was bottom. It was just canned drinking water. Yeah. Thank I mean, and, yeah, I can't imagine that that it would taste pretty good after yeah, <laughs> what they were doing. It's like no water is yeah, when we, <laughs> when we first saw that, it was I forgot, it was after event two. It was the uh the pig flip and the uh the the muscle up workout and we saw these athletes crossing the fish line at North Park and they're dumping these these cans of a monster on their head and we're like, What is going on? And it was actually, we found out it was water and I was able to sneak a can and try it out. I'm like, yeah, it's really water. And, um, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was pretty, it's pretty weird to see, but I think it's something that the sport needs. The sport needs again, you know, we need to separate the sport and the community when it comes to that. The sport is a very good ambassador for the community, but we, but that I think that's the responsibility of, uh, of a box owner when they come in. Uh, to kind of preach some of the values that CrossFit says in terms of cutting down sugars and stuff like that. But I think most CrossFitters are doing pre-workouts and what pre-workout probably isn't the healthiest thing for you either. Um, and some of these other things that they're putting in body, there's worse things people are putting in their bodies in the, in the CrossFit space than Monster. Okay. <laughs> That's true. But I'm quite, I'm quite partial to a fit aid at the end of a, a workout. Oh. Totally agree. Totally agree. Quite like them. So tell me about some of the highlights of your career so far in CrossFit. What would you, what are Uh, the like standout moments for you that you, you, you're never going to forget? This past year's games. Um, it was actually my first year, um, being full media. And it was an experience that was probably no, like, like none other had in terms of sports. And I, now mind you, I've shot major sporting events here in the U S. I've shot, shot professional football games. I've shot, um, yeah, we, in the U.S., we have something called March Madness and it's, uh, it's all, it's all the college basketball teams, you know, get together and play a tournament and there's one national champion at the end. I've shot those. I've shot gymnastics, like, you know, USA Olympic qualifying events for gymnastics or ice skating. 
Um, but the CrossFit just stands alone. The CrossFit Games being there as media, it stands alone because I was, it, it was just surreal because these, I'm covering like friends of mine as well. A lot of these athletes I've gained friendships with. So to be able to see them compete at that high level, I also feel like a sense of pride, um, proud of them as well, especially when they succeed. Um, and then also, also, I think the highlight was, was after the games, you know, every day we were done at the games, I stayed, uh, my, me and some of my judging, my, I call them my judgmental friends. <laughs> <laughs> there, I, I still have a lot of friends in the judging community and we, uh, they have that, uh, the camper park, the RV park right outside the games. And we actually reserved a spot and my friend brought his camper and we, so I just walked to the camper every day and we had a little area. It was us, the buttery bros and talk to league fitness. And we had our little area there and we just gathered there and just kind of, you know, drink a little bit and just talk about the highlights of the day. So those moments right there, when you just gathered with your friends and just, you know, recounting the day and what happened with us and exchange stories throughout the day, because at the games, there's so many stories going on and not all of it can be covered. And a lot of them are personal too, personal stories. I mean, I, I shared a lot of personal moments with uh, some games athletes there that I would probably never put into a story, but I would share with friends of mine who know the same person as well. So it was kind of like being around a campfire, you know, talking about the day's events. It was really cool. And those are moments I cherish very, very much because a lot of those guys like the Buttery Bros and Tommy Marquez, Sean Woodland, who, um, you know, are... We run Talk Elite Fitness. I consider them dear friends and to kind of share those moments and debrief each other on that. I've learned so much and, you know, it was just things you can't replace. What would you say for somebody who wanted to do the same sort of thing as you? What would you say they should look out for? Um, the story within the story. Um, it's so easy to sit there and write about what's going on, but anything you, can, you write um, can easily be done just by looking at a leaderboard. Um, that's one reason why I, I, I travel to these events. Nothing beats being on ground and keeping and being aware of the environment. Um, you can overhear a judge or uh, an event organizer mentioning something. Um, one of my favorite stories of the, of the past year was uh, Danielle Brandon. Um, what happened to her at the games in terms of her being isolated. And, but there was an event, the sprint event, the running event. And, um, I broke that story because I overheard it. You know, if I overheard that, I overheard Sam Briggs walking off the floor and Dave Castro pulling her aside and saying, Hey, thank you. You didn't have to do that. And I, I was like, what? That's kind of a weird conversation. And then I kind of poke it, started poking around. And I, that's when I found out that, you know, Danielle Brandon was actually going to run all by herself in front of thousands of people. And, uh, we had three amazing athletes, European athletes, mind you. Go on, girls. <laughs> Go, girls. Laura, Laura, Laura Horvath, Sam Briggs, and Thury, Thury held it up. Yeah. said, no, we're, we're going to step up. We're going to, Danielle, you don't have, they, they earned, they gained nothing by running with it. But they, they still did. And it just, it, it really warmed my heart. It just seemed the sisterhood, that community within the elites who are competing for the same goal. And, um, you know, that, that, that story, happened because i was aware and and being on the ground if i was covering from home i would have never got that story um and then nothing beats just having a relationship with athletes now there, there's a fine line 
um, especially being media, you still have to, re- you still have a responsibility to report to news. And sometimes, uh, that may, that may hurt some relationships. But as long, so athletes also need to be aware that, you know, I am their friend and I, I am there for their good. But at the same time, I have a responsibility to report stuff, whether it be good or bad. Hopefully it's good. And I'm lucky in our community, most of the stuff is good. So my advice to people is just be aware, show up, go to a live event, keep your, in football, we have a thing uh, saying, keep your head on a swivel where, so basically just be aware, uh, do that and keep your ear open and, 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 and talk to people. Don't just talk to the athletes, but talk to the sponsors, the people in Vanderbilt, talk to the fans, ask what they want to do. So what I stopped doing at the morning talk is instead of writing a full recap of the day's event, we started doing takeaways. Um, kind of explaining what, what, what stood out to us, what we think the readers should know, as opposed to what they, they know from reading a leader, looking at a leaderboard. You know, we know Wadapalooza, Patrick Vellner's in the lead right now. You know, there's really nothing, nothing more you really have to say about that, but no one knows about Ellie Turner. So, you know, who's on top of the leaderboard. So it's our responsibility to kind of tell people who, you know, explain what, who, who Ellie is and why she's in that position. Mm. She looks, uh, she's, uh, I think she surprised herself yesterday. <laughs> she did. She really did. Uh, she didn't really surprise me. She's someone I picked, um, a year ago as someone to watch, relatively unknown. Uh, we, myself, Brian Friend, and Tommy Marquez, we do a yearly piece where we, we pick out the top, uh, up and coming athletes, like 23 years and younger that you necessarily might know, not know of. And she was one I picked. And she made it to the game. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's really cool seeing her progress to that point, especially since someone I, I, it's someone that I'm kind of keeping an eye, eye on because of that. She's uh, moved to Canada, hasn't she, to train with uh, Michelle Tondra? Correct. Yeah. Yep. And yep. so I, yeah. I think that's obviously that kind of closeness to her coach must be paid off for her as well. I think it was really yeah. impressive to watch what she did yesterday. I hope she. Yeah, Hope she can recover from yesterday. Yeah. I, I have no doubt she will recover. Um, she's learning from one of the best best people, Michelle, who's been there, and also learning from Pat Pat Vellner. So, um, you know, she's excited. Again, she normally trains by herself in Australia, and um, she'll be able to train with some pretty decent athletes at that comp there in Lee uh, Montreal. But um, I know Michelle has plans for her to go and train with Pat maybe for a week or Pat coming there and then, you know, just kind of, you know, getting that push from one of the greats in the sport. So, you know, yeah, I, I, this is just the beginning of her career. Um, you know, the, I mean, and it's going to be, it's actually going to be kind of a tough road. She needs it. She needs to kind of step it up the competition because uh, the sum, she kind of, she earned her birth to the games or her invite to the games almost on a technicality. She was good enough to be there, but they were only given three spots at their semifinal. And one of those spots that you can automatically reserve for Tia and Tia didn't compete there because of the ban. So she competed in the U S so that's how she kind of got her spot. And Australia this year, she won't, you know, based on travel restrictions, which it looks like they're really, you know, toning back on, um, I knock on wood that, you know, people are able to travel a little bit more. Um, um, Tia should be at that semifinal in that region. And then you also have someone like Jamie Green who's going to be healthy as well. So, you know, you're, you have Kara Saunders, 
uh, Tia, Jamie Green, still have Alethea Boone, Laura Clifton. I mean, there's a lot of talented Australian athletes. There. I mean, I can I can name off eight, including Ellie. I mean, that's six right there that are competing for three spots. Yeah, so. it's the same in Europe. The, the mm-hmm. division is extremely tough for you, them. Europe, Europe deserves more spots. Me and John, me and John have talked about this in length, and they deserve more spots. A hundred percent deserve more spots. Who do we have to tell? <laughs> uh, CrossFit, who uh, just Justin Bird, Justin Bird now. Um, have you got his Eric email? Rosa, yeah, <laughs> Eric Rosa. Um, let us tell that story. We've already we've we've been telling that story. Brian Friend wrote an article not too long ago regarding that regarding that, and uh, you know he has a, a statistical analysis to back that up. So you know, hopefully CrossFit either reads it or has their own people that can do that same analysis and realize that hey, this there's been a, a shift in. In, in some things, but now, granted, if they stick to the forty spots that you get at the games, well, then that means you have to take away some spots. So, where do you take away those spots from? And there's a lot of argument that you know the other North America has all the other spots, but you know there's argument that North America shouldn't lose any spots. So, I don't know. But if you're trying to make it a more globally uh, interesting brand in sports, mm-hmm. then you might have to be a little bit more. Even handed with your sports. Correct. I totally agree. I totally agree. I think there's double the amount of people living in Europe than there are living in America. A hundred percent. And 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 as you said, Europe is coming. Europe is getting fitter. Europe is, um, Europe is there, basically. It's exactly. Just- <laughs> it is. It is there. Uh, I, I kind of wrote, I kind of, you know, after being at the Dubai CrossFit Championship, I mean, my, my conclusion is Europe is there. And it's and it's getting better. I mean, you have such young, uh, young up and coming athletes. Um, I mean, shoot, Laura and Gabby are still young. They're under twenty. They're under twenty five years old. They are. I saw Gabby. They're, they're, I saw Gabby yesterday. She, oh. she's uh, deep into training now, and she is super happy. She sits so relaxed and yeah, just like in the groove. And uh, she comes to. Uh, my gym gets a massage every week and uh, pop yeah. with a quick five minutes with her. She's having a great time. We had a lot of, she had a lot to say about Dubai, so I'm going to catch up with her soon as well. And look, yeah. Laura is just uh, extraordinary. She comes to me as well to train sometimes. Mm-hmm. Christoph. Yeah, well, yeah, and the weather, I think, too. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yes, Chris, the weather. Christoph isn't the biggest draw, right? <laughs> <laughs> don't tell don't tell him that don't, don't tell him that he's a very dedicated um bro- big brother yeah he is and then we've got some other girls just amazing even though like on the team um waterpalooza this weekend the girl the girl go one team they're, yes. they're crushing it team cry mm-hmm. girl come on yeah. yes so there, there are a lot of good uh, good women not such as and I, th- I wonder what your opinion is about this, is why are there more good European women than there are men? There aren't so many making the name for themselves, are there, in the guys? I wish I had an answer for that in terms of Europe, but I, I, I kind of suspect maybe it's very similar to what's happened here in the U.S., where um, when it comes to like growing the sport, a lot of the U.S. men um, coming up, they play other sports, 
And the women, they tip. I mean, those other sports are available for women, but they're but they have a tendency to maybe gravitate towards gymnastics and you know cheerleading and other sports that are more, I guess, traditional women's sports. So they already have that like background and some some skills necessary to succeed in CrossFit. And then they realize that, and then they don't go to a gym and work out. And they see what these CrossFit athletes do can do, and they're like, I can do that. You look at Mal O'Brien, uh, Haley Adams, some of these young U.S. girls, and they already have a gymnastics background. I, I you know, because that's something they grew up do, doing. Um, maybe in Europe, a lot of the male athletes are still trying to make it in football, in soccer. Um, so, you know, or some other sport um, that's popular in Europe. Because I know in the U.S., a lot of the U.S. boys, they want to play American football. They want to play American baseball. They want to play baseball or basketball. So that's what they strive to be that in terms of being a professional. They don't look at, at basically exercising as a sport yet, um, but it's growing. And I think maybe, I don't know if that's the case in Europe. Um, I know you have a lot of untapped talent there. A uh, uh, name that sticks out to me is someone you guys know is Ella, Ella uh, Wonder. Uh, she's someone, I really think that she's on the cusp of being someone really good. I, I see a lot of talent in her. Yeah, she's extraordinary, and uh, yeah, yeah but, but, and also extremely humble, very quiet, yeah, like very that. very quiet. I, I've yeah. met her quite a few times, and she's just quietly gets on with it. So yeah, she she reminds me of like a European version of Haley Adams. Okay, yeah, yeah. So maybe not the capacity that she had that Haley's known for, but I I, I mean that's a great thing about CrossFit you can always build capacity. Have you noticed any of the European elite um, boys or girls on the floor this yesterday that um, sticking out to you? John was saying to look out for Reggie Fasser. Yeah, um, we don't know much about Reggie, um, but then he didn't. He had a difficult day one, especially that first event. Um, there's definitely some holes in his um, in his. Um, I guess you want to say his game. But um, but I think him being here and competing alongside some of the great because that's stacked men's division. Um, um, he he's going to get gain gain competition experience and that's invaluable right now. And Reggie is known as someone you know he did all he did really great in the quarterfinals, um, but then kind of you know struggled in the semifinals. Well, ultimately, the semifinals are going to go live. So maybe he's an athlete that needs that more live competition. So we'll see what happens in day two. Um, I, obviously, his numbers, especially his uh, open and quarterfinal numbers, says that he has potential to be someone really good in the sport. Um, but, um, you know, he struggled in day one. So that's that's a cool thing. It's like you can see someone struggle in day one, but see how they bounce back day two and then build upon it. If they can do that, then, then definitely that competition experience is definitely grabbing a hold of them, and that's that's a, that's some that's a lesson that he'll grab, uh, take from here. That's invaluable. Um, that that that'll make him become a better athlete, no matter where he ends up. On that mm, I mean, that's what everyone's been lacking this last year is that opportunities to yes. compete in person. I mean, everyone, so yeah, I mean, hopefully this will help him a lot. And then the other um, European. Person John was looking at was Oriana Oliver, the Spanish girl who won the a recent competition in Madrid. She came fifth in the second in the second workout yesterday. Echo and Fran. Yes, yes. Uh, 
Yeah. Her and the other uh, girl from Spain, um, I'm trying to remember, Elena. Oh, yes. Yeah. With purple hair. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's another one from Spain. Both of them, um, I'm really interested in because they they did really great in the open and did really awesome in the uh, quarter of the European quarterfinals and just missed it. Just missed it in the uh, in their respective semifinals. And I believe both were in the last chance qualifier. Um, but I was really interested to see how they did, and both of them did really well in event one. Um, kind of struggled in event two, but event two was uh, an animal. As a total, it, so, it on paper it just looked like something I would never ever. Uh, you'd have to basically have a gun to my head to make that work out. What an awful! Well, who came up with that? It's sick. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I mean, one, it, who wants to do brand, <laughs> and then you throw in the echo bike on top of that? No, thank you. I, I actually personally like the echo bike. Um, just because I like to suffer, I'm the type of athlete who loves like being in the uh-huh. pain cave, but but only but only but, but like, spread out. Only when you spread out of time. I hate yeah. to spread. You like to suffer, but only when you're in yeah. control. <laughs> exactly, and I think the echo bike kind of gives you that control because you can go as fast or as slow as you want, but, it, but it's still going to hurt. So, but uh, for those watching Jason Hopper do that, and then him come off, and you know he was kind of peacocking to the crowd chest up and then he came back and then he kind of collapsed <laughs> it hit him yeah it hit him hard but then you look around and all everyone else was just bodies yeah. on the floor and that was that was something else i noticed about ellie is ellie didn't do that she when she crossed that finish line she she was still standing she didn't lay on the ground she crouched down but she didn't she didn't at all bend over and grab a breath she just stood there and that's a that's something you don't very you don't see very that's one of the things that I always notice. I always look for athletes when they cross the finish line, how they respond. Uh, in your mind, when's the last time you saw Tia collapse to ex- Never. exhaustion or Matt Fraser? I think as well, Never. that's that sending a message. That's what Miko Salo used to do, isn't it? He would like send a message. Yeah, like, it's mind games. Like, this didn't mess with me. I'm good. Let's do yeah. it again. And that, that, yeah, exactly. That's something that um, I noticed about Jason Hopper at the Mid-Atlantic in the semifinals of he it kind of reminded me of Matt. After every event, he, he, you never saw him showing a sign of weakness. He was sitting there letting people know that he finished that event, and here I am. And hey, let's do it again. Meanwhile, his his fellow athletes are crumbled to the floor around him, like he was a conquering hero standing above his. Victims, so you know? a note for athletes is to undiva. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no. Yeah. Drama. There we go. This is the job. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, it it is. If you want to make this, if you want to be a professional sport, then you need to start treating it as as such and treating it as a job. I think that one of the really big things that I've learned from doing the podcast and also from uh, speaking to more and more athletes is just how important the mental um, aspects of the sport are. Yeah, mindset is such a huge component of it, and it, it is for a lot of sports. I think that's another thing that the sport has evolved into. I mean, we have soccer, football. You know, mindset so so huge to them, um, but yeah, it's definitely with such an individualized sport, uh, with so much on the line in any given event. You know, whether you fail or succeed in one event, you need to forget it and move on to the next one. But it's hard, and us as human beings, it's not it's human it's human nature almost to dwell on the past or look ahead. Um, and it's such a huge thing. Uh, it's Bethany Shadburn. I did an interview with her recently. 
uh, on the morning, you can see it on the morning shot, chocolate with YouTube. She talks about her change in mindset. Now, this is a woman with so much potential and she suffers. She, but the thing is, it's unrealized potential because she's known for being injured and she had to take a step back and figure out what do I need to do? And it came down to mindset. So she had to tell herself that you don't need to train as much. Why are you training so hard? And she reason why what she figured out by doing that is the reason why she was training hard was because she had fears, fears of being fat, uh, fears of not being good enough, you know, just like common fears like that. And it was like so eye opening because as, as a amateur CrossFitter myself, that's why that's what motivates me to go in the gym because I don't want to be fat. And to hear someone at Bethany who obviously is nowhere near that, uh, to say that and be that vulnerable about it, it was very, uh, it showed a lot about mindset it showed that you know one of the things she attributed to was journaling um you know keeping a journal writing why she does things finding out what her why was what motivates her and um you'll see more and more athletes do that you'll see a lot more athletes uh you know hiring a mindset coach it's really big it's really big i'm I'm not sure if you know to me it seems like john is maybe the mindset coach at the program but you have people at Mayhem, they have they have like a mindset coach. Like, uh, Jacqueline's got a, an extra coach for mindset that she has a call with every week. See? Yeah, I yeah. don't know about I don't know about Gary and, or Christoph or the other guys, but yeah. Jacqueline has uh, somebody mm-hmm. she speaks to every week. But uh, I think when people yeah. when, when athletes um, share about how they're feeling and their emotions and them being vulnerable about something that maybe mm-hmm. they they find difficult to talk about i think they probably don't yeah. maybe they realize it but they have such a big impact on everybody around them when they when they when somebody shares something that makes them feel um it's like very relatable isn't it when you hear oh i don't want to be fat it's like oh neither do i you know and that that's that's yeah. a, it's a very, it's a great leveler for a lot of us but also that means that as an amateur it's, it's uh it's, it, it's quite inspiring to know that maybe I don't need to train twice today, or it's a, and there mm-hmm. are other ways to um, achieve your goals. So good for you for getting yeah. that out of Bethany because that's uh, important stuff, especially as a woman. It's, it's important to hear those kind of things. Yeah, I spoke to um, yeah. Sola, Solvig Sigurdotter, back in mm-hmm. um, October, and she has very um, publicly spoken on her Instagram about body image issues yeah. in the past, and. Um, she said when she spoke about these things to her followers, she got hundreds of responses online. So these things make yeah. an impact and they can influence us in so many ways. Yeah, I, I have many of friends that um, they've actually used me because they know I have connections with some of these athletes that, uh, you know, that, that they're struggling. And I, I put them in touch with athletes and they've talked to some, uh, a, a real dear friend of mine, um, she suffers from an eating disorder. She found out that uh, an athlete, Alexis Johnson, here in the U.S., she she's very open about her uh, struggles with um, with with uh, eating disorder. So I put them in touch, and it's, it's it's changed my friend's life because of that. She's found CrossFit. On top of that, she's found a very healthy relationship with her food in the process, and it, it was only because she met someone or she saw on Alexis's Instagram that she was open. About That's great. So. Who do you look up to in the sport, Patrick? Who are your inspirations? Um, God, there's so many. Um, 
I don't think there's one single person, um, obviously being someone who is in the media, um, I'm a, I'm really, and also being a photographer and I'm kind of delving into videography now. I, I look at a lot of people in the content creation, creation space. So, uh, David, so we're training day media. He's someone that I, I, I become really good friends with and I love bouncing ideas off of them. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Craig Ritchie. I love what him and Josie are doing. Josie, who you had on the other day. Um, um, I, I can relate to a lot of what Josie talks about. Maybe not in the worldwide, world traveling aspect that Josie does, but uh, I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm influenced by him. It's great because when I saw him here today or yesterday, it's like, you know, we talked for a while and I told him how much I enjoyed the podcast. It was great learning that about him. I'm really, um, really pleased uh, about that because... We had such a nice response to that episode. So many yeah. people sent messages saying about how that it inspired them, what he was talking about. So it's cool. Yeah. I think one of the things that inspires me about someone like him and a lot of other of the content creators in the space is that they're all self-made. They all they all created their opportunity for them. And um and and I'm seeing it here. There's a lot of people here at Wadapalooza that I haven't seen before, and that that came up to me and asked me for advice. And I'm, I'm if anyone knows me, I'm one of those people that believes that there should, you know, for the sport to grow, we need to have more people telling the stories. The Morning Chocolate can't tell every story that's out there, but you know what? There's hundreds, hundreds of content creators out there that can. Uh, we tell the probably the more popular side of the story, but you know, the other stories need to be told. The stories of the you know the person who you know flew over from europe uh that got delayed 48 hours and this is their first crossfit event you know stories like that i mean that that's just an example um but uh justin lofranco who started the morning chalk up he's definitely someone that i look up to because he still has such i mean he, here's a guy who comes from american politics and created a media company um from an, a, a newsletter using his retirement benefits and because of what his him taking a chance on something that many people didn't think would last, we've turned into the number one news source for CrossFit. I mean, there's hands down, I don't think there's any other competition for that. Um, that says a lot. Um, and I think, unfortunately, I think for the, pro, the sport to grow, that there needs to be more news outlets in in our space that that rival. It's, it takes a lot of effort to get something like that off the ground. It does. A lot of effort, a lot of money. Uh, this obviously isn't a very profitable business yet. And I think one reason why is because the sport hasn't become very profitable. But um, yeah, I, I, that's someone I look up to. And then I look up to someone like Matt O'Keefe, who, um, you know, who's kind of done the same thing. It was turned, turned Loud and Live Sports into an organization that, that in a way rivals the CrossFit Games itself. Um, someone like yeah. Story. I'm going to speak to Story. People don't know. Yes, he is such what a great a man. Uh, I've learned. I've learned I, exactly. I've learned so much from him, especially in our travels. Especially uh, to finally meet him in person in Dubai. Um, me and him got to sit down and talk, and I've learned so much from him in terms of like, you know, he knows the athlete side better than I do. So he kind of gives me tips, you know, dealing with how to get an athlete to talk, or you know, uh, he gives me info. He'll tell me some things to look out for, you know, potentially. I mean. You know, he won't give me the, the, you know, the secret news or anything like that, but he'll tell me, like, hey, keep an eye out on that. Yeah. I feel like so, Snorri might be a really yeah. good hugger as well. 
<laughs> he is. He is. He is. He is a jolly man. I mean, he's he's just. You see him, and you just want to smile. And the thing is, you look at him, and he's. You would. He's a. He's a big guy in terms of he's big, strong. He could be intimidating, uh, but he is someone who is. Yeah, yeah. He's a. He's definitely a good hugger. <laughs> It's breaking news, Snowy Baron. You know, best hugger in CrossFit. So, um, what time is it over there now? It is seven fifty-seven. The sun is. Yeah. If you can tell, the sun is. I've been able to. I've been able to watch uh, talk to you while watching the sunrise over uh, over South Beach here. Cool. It's been great. And uh, you're going to be back in back at it at nine o'clock. You said. Yeah, roughly. Uh, I have some friends here uh, from my own gym that are competing in some of the, the RX division. I have a couple friends in the individual RX division that are competing. So I'm going to go out there and root them on, get some pictures of them. So that way, you know, a lot of my, a lot of them don't have pictures of themselves at a, at a high level competition. I take them a lot of pictures and, here in Mallorca. I always shoot them yeah. my, my gym's open. And then I, how, that's how mm-hmm. I met um, John and the guys from the program originally because they needed a photographer to yeah. shoot for them. And um, it, it, I was like, I remember thinking, oh, are these any good? Is this what, um, are they going to like them? And um, Rob, who owns the gym that I train at, he said, people love having pictures of themselves. <laughs> you yes, know, even yeah. if they look like they're having a poo <laughs> whilst they're in the middle mm-hmm. of doing this squat clean, this is the thing that they want. And I learned that when I first started yeah. shooting back in 2016 for them so yeah it's a, mm-hmm. it's so nice when you can give people a gift like that you know spending time to take pictures yeah. of them is a big deal um, yeah i i run the social media page for my gym uh or i help run that and i provide content yeah, yeah so I, I love doing <laughs> that um and it's it's crazy because like i said i think one reason why they love those pictures themselves because that's raw unfiltered um you're catching them at their best and worst moments combined. You know, they're suffering, but at the same time, they're accomplishing so much. And uh, I know, I'm, I'm a big fan oh, of your work. Thank I've, you. I've been to your page and, oh God, you, you do, especially your aesthetics are just so nice. I, I love, I love your, I love your look. I love, especially, um, you do a really good job shooting indoor oh my at God. a gym. Because ob- obviously, I'm indoor, you know, the indoor yeah, at it's dark. <laughs> Exactly. It's not the. It's dark. It's not the greatest lighting. That's one reason why I love Wadapuza because it's always outdoors and it's always sunny. So it's just like the lighting's always perfect, and uh, and plus the colorway, you know, the Miami colors always pop, always pop out. So it it always gives like a really good contrast because a lot of CrossFit athletes they usually wear like dark tones, and then you know you contrast that with the, the bright colors of Miami in the background, you get some really interesting pictures that really just really cool but uh you, yeah your work is amazing uh, you shoot sony don't no you? i shoot on a canon and i just got a fuji oh look at you a fuji is that more for yeah you making is that more for your um it's for my bag it's my what do you use it's just yeah. something to have with me gotcha. all the time it's like a little cute little retro yeah. camera i got it for christmas mm-hmm. and i love it yeah um it's not as heavy as a canon jealous um, yeah, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm in, always in the process of looking at my stuff and thinking I have to re- reorganize my feed because I get so kind of like, I get, um, 
uh, decision paralysis about my own Instagram feed. Oh. So I haven't posted anything on yeah. there for months. The only, I, I, people I'm, use my pictures and they tag me in them. So mm-hmm. if you look on the tagged bit, I've got loads of work. But on my actual feed, it's not yeah. much there. Yeah. Yeah, that's how mine is. I'm just so busy, you know. Yeah, I'm just so busy on my athlete's eye page that it's been a while. I started trying to do, like gather my best shots from the games and break it down by event and things I learned while watching it. Just not only describe the event, but things that I learned as a content creator. Try to give you know uh, on that, but I kind of got away from it. But I need to pick that back up again. But I'm still trying to go through tons of photos that I took from you know, the games, Dubai, and some of these other events. So I'm still trying to catch I up. shot the online semifinals um, mm-hmm. last, was it last June? I can't remember. Anyway, for, for yeah, Gabby and sure. Jack, and we had uh, Ella, we had Erica, we had Matilda, we had Adrian, Sala. Yeah. We had a lot of people in here. And I had brought hundreds of pictures, and I just couldn't, I, just, like, you, you, I shot it, and then I posted some, and then I moved on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the next thing yeah. I had to do. Uh, so I'm like, so <laughs> like, maybe over Christmas I'll uh, catch up and look at no, that never happened. So I'd like to do a retrospective yeah. of, of the year. I think that's a good way to do it. But when that will happen, I don't yeah. know. But I do know on your um, oh. Instagram feed um, that you're a big dog fan. And I wanted to tell you that I absolutely yep. adore dogs. And I oh, particularly yeah. into Pomeranians. <laughs> oh, you would be a big, big fan of my, uh, my, my Yadier. Uh, Yadier, he's my Pomeranian. He's actually called a party palm. So, uh, he's like two breeds of Pomeranian, uh, bred in the one. So he doesn't look like your traditional palm. Um, but, uh, nevertheless, he, he's a palm and he's, he's my sweet little boy. He has, uh, I miss that guy. And that's the worst thing about being these roaches. I love to travel, but, um, uh, and I typically try to take him with me. And that originally was my plan was to bring him down here because I drove 19 hours to get here. Um, I, I 19 is a long time. time. I didn't do it straight. I broke it up in like nine hours and nine hours. And then I stopped at certain, I stopped at like gyms to meet up with people. And, uh, I stopped off in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, where that's where the proven camps at stopped by there, visited with them, stopped off at mayhem. Um, you know, it's all, I made a route so that way I was going through all these places, stopped at training. Yeah, such a cool trip. Uh, yeah, yeah, broke it up. And then on the way back, uh, a friend of mine who's competing, she's driving back up with me. And we're going to kind of take the long way, go along the uh, Florida coast, the coastline. Uh, she's never been out this part. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to kind of take our time going back as well. But uh, not too much time because I got to get back to my dogs. And um, yeah, so my handle, that PC and the pups. and um, but because of that, I always feel like whenever I'm interviewing an athlete in person, if they have a dog, they need to be a part of that, that, uh, that. So like in the Bethany, um, video I shot, her dog, Bella, she has a, a bulldog is at her feet the whole time. So you hear people commenting about that. And I've done other interviews where dogs have been in there and a lot of athletes like, Oh yeah, let me get them out. I'm like, no, I want the dog to be in it. You know, I'm PC. I mean, I love puppies. I love, you know, that's my handle. I mean. What, what kind of guy would I be if I told you to get rid of your Yeah, dog? I mean, to be honest, I think mostly I like dogs more than I like people. So, yeah. 100%. They're just 100%. Uh, the best. We have uh, some very cool dogs we, in our gym as well. It's so nice to walk in and they're just always yeah. excited to see you. It's lovely. 
Oh yeah. I mean, you can't walk into a gym and if you see a dog, it doesn't matter if your best friend's there that you haven't seen in three years, you're probably still gonna go yeah, to that dog. Always. First. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a couple of gym dogs at our gym. Um, our owner, she has two gym dogs there and they're they're great. Especially after a workout, they'll just come up to me and they, you know, just start licking licking the yeah, sweat off. That is kind of creepy though, actually. But um <laughs> it is. It is kind of creepy. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, okay. Um yeah. I guess I'm done. <laughs> the dog says I finished. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. And that, that it also motivates you to stand up and move around as well. Because if you keep on laying there, it doesn't matter how bad how many how many times you push that dog away, it's he's he or she's gonna keep on coming back. But uh, yeah, my other dog I have is a Shiba Inu. Um people that don't know what Shiba Inus are, they are a handful. Um she has a lot. Yeah, they're uh mi- miniature Akitas. If those who are invested in Dogecoin, that that's the Doge dog. Um uh they have so much personality. Uh she she is yeah, she is amazing. Um yeah, she they're they're like polar opposites, but at the same time they're like best friends. And uh anytime I brought them or bring them around athletes, they love them. Um yeah, I I miss them and who's I taking care more, of them right now? My brother and his girlfriend are and they love it. My um uh, they recently lost their pet. Um they passed away. So they're kinda helping my dogs are kinda helping them out because my dogs are also registered uh support animals. Um as a veteran, I suffer from PTSD and some, you know, and um, um, they they do a really good job of keeping me calm, and they they under, they know when I'm stressed out or having a bad day. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to get out of bed in the morning, and they they motivate me to get out of bed. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, that that they're currently helping my brother and his girlfriend kind of deal with their loss, and it's funny because she's like spoiling them. Every time I pick them up or they drop them off at my place after spending time with them, they have like five or six more dogs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like when you go to visit your grandma. <laughs> exactly. Which is exactly. Like you slipped um, donuts and sweets and things. Yeah. yeah well, exactly. thanks so much for talking to me. Um, I mean, no, I no problem. I'm so grateful that you could spend the time. I know that you have a really busy day. Um, coming up and a yeah. full on week as well. Um, and I yeah. hope let's do yeah. it again soon. Well, hopefully, we can talk in person. Uh, my plan is my plan is this you know, as as the semifinals, especially if they go to live semifinals, I would love to go to the European semifinals. Obviously, you know, that's I'm the, the European story needs to be told. Um, and Morning Chocolate has that responsibility to tell it. And hopefully I can go to one of some of those live semifinals. And if that's the case, then I want to come out before. Typically what I do is gather information. I'll go out earlier, meet with the athletes, meet, meet with the coaches, meet with, you know, watch them train. And obviously what better place to watch athletes train than my Urca, a, a, a Mediter- Mediterranean come, Island. And come on get top us. Of that, you have some of the top, you have some of the top athletes there. Uh, athletes I simply adore, like Jackie and Gabby and Christoph. They're, I, I, those are athletes that I, I greatly enjoy being around. Um, and But there's other stories that need to be told in Europe, and I want to tell them. Mallorca, as, as an island, is an extremely popular destination for training camps now as well. We have a lot of, um, of people that come to train in private camps, mm-hmm. both in C23, which is the gym that um, Jack and 
Christoph and Gabby train at, but also in CrossFit Mallorca, we get, um, which is the mm-hmm. one that I train at. They are, they, we have frequent training camps with um, people preparing for um, whichever competition they're coming for. Yeah, and Sport. we have uh, yeah. like, a lot of masters come as well and to spend um, a good chunk of time here pre- preparing. It's a really it's a not it's not in understood it's a misunderstood island in the in europe because everybody yeah. thinks it's party island it's a tiny bit of it called magaluf which is yeah. a party place but the majority of Mallorca is really really beautiful incredible mountains incredible scenery beautiful beaches really nice people great food terrific climate and it's a great place to come and train. I'll be there. I'll I'll be there next week. Okay. <laughs> Bring the dogs. <laughs> yeah. I'll, oh, I oh I, I if mm. I could I would. Who knows? Maybe I'll just take a boat over so that way I can. They don't fly very no. well. So I have a but, couple um, that you can um, hang out with. Oh, if you need no, if you need help getting better. up in the morning, then they they can certainly oh. assist. <laughs> I think being around that level of fitness and that mindset out there that John has built, I think getting up in the morning wouldn't be a problem at all. Um, but yeah, I, I really, um, yeah, it's I, that's what the goal is in 2022 is to get out to Europe and see a lot of those semifinals and meet meet up with those, meet up with more of the European. I'm, um, I'm de- so as soon as we know when and where they're going to be, I think a lot of plane tickets are going to get booked. Yeah, definitely, hundred percent. And hopefully, we'll get that. Hopefully, we'll get that answer in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, with the the semifinal um, um, website. I'm, I'm hoping. And, to, I'm hoping so. to as well. I need to plan. Yeah, believe me, as uh, we're we're all trying to think that athletes are trying to plan that as well. So, yeah, I'm a big planner. So the sooner we can get that, and plus maybe flights will be cheaper too. So, okay. Have a great day. And um, hope to see you in Europe. Well, you have a great day as well. Tell John and uh, Gabby and Christoph and Jack I, I said hi. And uh, I hopefully I'll see them soon. And uh, thanks for having me. Anytime you want want me on, I'll be more than happy. Now we've got each you. other on Instagram. You won't hear the last of me sometime. Exactly. <laughs> have fun well, today. I and, hope not. Uh, takes it Thank you. Great shots. I, I look forward to seeing them later. Because this girl wants to be in yeah. Miami. Even though Mallorca is cool. Thank you, Patrick. It was really cool to meet you. Next time, perhaps it'll be in person at one of the semi-finals. In our coming editions, I have a catch-up with Jacqueline Dahlstrom, an interview with Brian Friend, which is a long overdue release, and a lot more. As always, thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Don't miss the next episode. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. Europe is Coming is a programme production and hosted by Vicky McLeod. <laughs>